Well, hello there. This is Evangelist Timothy Gruber here at the Word of the King. Holiness Bibles for the Blind. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 4 tells us that where the Word of the King is, there is power. We may say unto him, What doest thou? Okay, First Kings, Tim, I want you to read this for me. I know. First Kings chapter 18, verses 17 to 40, Tim. Verse 18, verse 17 through 40. Oh, yes, sir. This kind of, this also talks about somebody who got talked about the wrong way. But he also stood up for God. It came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he the trouble of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel. But thou and thy father's house, which ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Baal. Now therefore said and gathered to me all Israel on the Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the grooms, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So I have sent unto all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together on the Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people, and said, How long hold you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if they all, then follow him. And the people answered not a word. And said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. The bill prophets of 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks. Let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces. And lay it on wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call you on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And God answered by fire, let it be God. And all people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you a bullock for yourself, and dress it first. For you are many. And call on the name of your gods, put no fire on it. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. There was no voice, nor any that answered. They leaped upon the altar which was made. It came to pass at noon. But Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey. For <laughs> he speaketh and must be awake. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their man with nine demands, till the blood gushed out upon them. It came to pass when midday was passed, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice, nor any to answer, nor any to regard and Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord was broken down. And Elijah took twelve servants according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. And whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he put an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench about the altar, as great as wood contained, two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces. And laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water. Poured on the bird's sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time, and they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time, and they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass. The time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, when Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be understood that thou art God of Israel, and that I am certain that I have done all these things with thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and lifted up the water that was in the trench. 
When old people saw them, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, but not one of them escaped. And they took them. And Elijah brought them down to the door of Kishon and slew them there. All right. First of all, now as you said in your part, something very important here. Yes, there are people, there are lots of people who are going to talk. And there's this poem that um, we have. It's got this poem. It's called People Will Talk. We go through the world, but we'll be very slow. If you listen to all that is said as you go, you'll be worried and fretted and kept in a stew, for meddlesome tongues must have something to do. And people will talk. If quiet and modest, you'll have it presumed that your humble position is only assumed. You're a wolf in sheep's clothing, or else you're a fool. But don't get excited. Keep perfectly cool, for people will talk. And then, if you show the least boldness of heart or a slight inclination to take your own part, they'll call you an upstart. Conceited in vain, but keep straight ahead. Don't stop to explain, for people will talk. For threadbare your dress, or old-fashioned your hat, someone will surely take notice of that, and hint very strangely that you can't pay your way. But don't get excited, whatever they say, for people will talk. If your dress is the fashion, don't think to escape, for they criticize then in a different shape. You're ahead of your means, or your tailor's unpaid, but mind your own business, there's not to be made. For people will talk. Now the best way to do is to do as you please. For your mind, if you have one, will then be at ease. Of course you will meet all sorts of abuse. But don't think to stop them. It ain't any use. For people will talk. Yeah. And it's true. Yeah. Now, the point being made is, no matter what you do, people are going to run at the trap. And even... The prophets of the Bible, as we see here, Elijah, he's trying to do what's right with God. And Tim, what did Ahab, when he finally came and met Elijah, what did he say? Are you? Yeah, you the one that's making trouble? You the troublemaker? And you ever noticed, Tim? When you're trying to do something for God, what's the very thing they they tell you? Very first thing they tell you when you're trying to serve God, you the troublemaker. You that dirty rotten troublemaker. Tim, it's you. You're that dirty rotten troublemaker. Oh, they even if it's them who's living in sin, it's not them who are the troublemaker, it's you. It's you, Tim. You're the one raising the trouble. It's you that's causing the problem. It's you, Tim, not them, okay? Now, wait a minute, uh, okay? Look at what Jesus said. Jesus came and he said, G- John the Baptist didn't come, John the Baptist did not come eating or drinking. They had a complaint. But Jesus came eating and drinking. He says, the Son of Man come eating and drinking, and what? Oh, you think of him as what? A glutton and a wine-bibber. 
friend of publican and sinners. Basically, like the poem said, you can't please nobody. You can't please nobody. Uh, so your so the best thing to do is to do as you please. For your mind, if you have one, will then be at ease. As long as you're doing what God said, as long as you're doing what the Bible said, don't worry about the the crowd. Now, how do we know that's the right way to go? Elijah, picture this. Here's Elijah. Ahab comes to him saying, you're a troublemaker. And he says, okay, Buster Brown. Now, I'm putting it in little modern terms for those who may not understand this story. So we'll put it in modern terms. He says, okay, Buster Brown, you think I'm a troublemaker. Why don't you get all them goons of yours? You think that God is sitting up there in heaven playing musical chairs. And we know from the text earlier that Ahab was ready to slay Elijah as well. Exactly. And he says, he says, okay, you think God is up there playing musical chairs. Um, Allah. And he, God sits down. You call Buddha and God sits down. That's what they were thinking. Uh, you call Krishna, Krishna, and God sits down. And Elijah said, ah, that ain't the way this works. Elijah said to Ahab, uh-uh, this ain't the way it works. Uh, you either call on one God, Jehovah, you call on Jesus, or you don't call on any. It's only one God. It ain't eeny, meeny, miny, go, mo, catch the God by his toe. Uh-uh. That's why Ahab didn't like that, because he had all these other gods, and Elijah was saying, eh, eh it's only one. <laughs> We ain't having all these others. And that's why he called him a troublemaker. And so he says, okay, Buster Brown, why don't you get all your goons? Let's meet up here at the top of the hill, and we're going to have a test. <laughs> and that test was the battle of the gods. We're going to see which god answers by fire, basically what would be today the battle of the books. Which Bible is the real Bible? Because the God that answers with his real word is the real God. So Ahab said, oh, that ain't a bad idea. Okay, we'll see who the real prophets are, who the real God is. So Elijah gets up there with all these goons. Now, wait a minute. If Elijah was in a uh, voting booth, in a voting thing, who has the most votes? He was already outvoted. 850 to 1. He was already outvoted. He would have been booted out of town. 851. There was 451 group, 400 of the other, and he was only one. So it wasn't who had the majority. He, he was in, you talk about moral minority. He was moral minority. But Elijah said, I don't care if I'm in minority. I'm all by myself. But fully I'm minority. I'm going to stand up. And I'm going to stand up for the truth. And he says, okay. It goes like this. He says, okay, boys. Y'all say God is up there playing musical chairs. Well, here's how it goes. You get a bullock, I get a bullock. 
You build an altar, I build an altar. But when you put your bullock on there, don't put no fire under it. I'll build an altar, and I'll put my bullock on there, and I'm not going to put no fire under. But here's the thing. Since you guys are more than I am, I'm going to give you first crack. Now, if your God answers by fire, then okay, he's the God. But if he doesn't answer, then I get a crack. And if my God answers by fire, then it's my, then my God is the real God. And they said, hey, that's a good plan. So he gives them first crack. They build their altar. They get up there singing, let's get physical. Okay? <laughs> you know, and all that good stuff, right? And come about noontime, what? Nothing happening. Now, Tim, what did they do? What does Elijah do? Now, Ruth, Tim, Elijah gets real nice, right? He says, oh, come on, guys. You know, let's have an ecumenical meeting. Maybe there's a problem here, right? Ah, you know what Elijah did? He got sarcastic in the pulpit. He said, read it. He said, what's the problem? Maybe your God is asleep. Or maybe he's on a journey. Or whatever, you know. Uh, you got to do something to get his attention. Maybe he's talking. Maybe he's over there gossiping, you know. Something. You got to get do something more to get his attention. So they start cutting themselves and whatever to get his their God's attention. No results. Finally, by evening, he said, ah, you bozos, stop. He, he, he finally, by the time the evening sacrifice, Elijah knew they, he, their God wasn't going to answer because their God wasn't real. And so he said, okay, my turn. Now, here's what's funny. Read the story close. Who poured after he dug the trench and built the altar and put the, the bullock on there, who did Elijah get to pour the fill the barrels of water and pour the water? He made them bozos go and do it. <laughs> Talk about a slap in their face. He says, now get me three. He says, go get me four barrels of water. Pour it on the sacrifice. That wasn't enough. He makes a go again a second time. And then a third time. Three times four is 12. The number of the tribes of Israel. Just the equal to the number of stones he used. Filled up the trench. Then <laughs> Elijah doesn't get physical with his uh, expressions or nothing. He just kneels down. Says a simple prayer. Ask God to do what he's going to do. And God shows up in a mighty way. Now, Jesus, as Tim brought up in his first part, said we're going to be persecuted. Just like Elijah was persecuted. Isaiah was persecuted. Jeremiah was persecuted. 
Jesus was persecuted. John the Baptist was persecuted. Paul was persecuted. You go right down the line. Moses was persecuted. The whole works. And they were all talked about. And Tim, just like you mentioned, it was a good point. If you're worried about your testimony, trying to, oh, well, uh, that's the problem. Some people are so worried about what their testimony is going to look like to the world that they forget that it's... <laughs> Elijah didn't worry about his testimony. He they they worry about the testimony so much they don't even know how to humble themselves and confess when they're wrong. Exactly. The problem was, uh, we don't see Elijah saying, well, hey, wait a minute. I'm more worried about uh, what my testimony is going to look like in front of this 850. No, he was worried about one thing. What his testimony looked like in front of God. He was worried about if God was going to be pleased with him. He wasn't worried about if man was pleased. When Jesus came on the scene, he wasn't worried about if the Pharisees was pleased with him. Hey, if we're worried about if man is pleased with us, we'll never get anywhere with God. Our job when we're here isn't to please man. If we open our Bibles, as I get ready to close this point is this, and as I get ready to close my part of the message is this. We need to open our Bible and ask, who are we pleasing? Are we pleasing man or God? If our primary goal is pleasing and worrying about what man is going to think of us, we're not pleasing God. But if our primary goal is, let God be true and every man a liar, and if we know we're pleasing God and fully on the world because it ain't going to matter what that world's going to do because the world is always going to let you down. The world will let you down every time. The people in the churches are going to let you down every time. Why? Because they're man. But God won't let you down. So the question is, who are you going to, who are you serving? And if you're serving God and you're out to please God, don't worry about man. Man is the one you need not worry about serving. Jesus said, he said very plainly, you cannot serve two masters. You're either going to cling to one and leave the other. You're going to love one and you're going to despise the other. You can't serve both. And that's the point. You've got, you got to love one and you got to leave the other. You can't have them both. Because when you're you're trying to serve man, you're basically got two masters. You got you got God and man. You can't have both. Uh, you either have God or you have man. You take your pick. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for both halves of this message tonight. Amen. We thank you, Lord. That is cuz Lord, it was kind of what I Lord Tim had no clue. I was already kind of talking to Ruth about this earlier today. And and yet, he had no clue about this, but yet it kind of, he, he rammed right into it, only for to come back with the same things. So, Lord, it was all tied in. And I believe also, Lord, this is a message that 
We could pass on to Sister Carrie, in which, Lord, that's what I plan to do, make a copy and get it over to her. Because, Lord, I know she can use a copy of this message in this service as well. She may have missed it tonight because she didn't feel well, but, Lord, we do pray for her tonight. And, Lord, we do plan to get her a copy of this because, Lord, no matter what people may talk about her over in her building, Lord, people will talk. But the fact is, Lord, you don't talk about nobody. So, Lord, as we get ready to give a small invitation here, Lord, we ask, Lord, to each of us examine ourselves that we ask you, Lord, that we would just trust in you, turn our hearts to you, Lord, and ask ourselves, Lord, who are we serving? Are we putting our faith in you? Or is it in, Lord, man? And are we trying to please man? Or are we trying to please you? We ask you, Lord, now that you would just bless this invitation time. Allow us to examine our hearts before you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. How about it tonight, dear sinner, friend? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you ever asked Jesus into your heart? Have you ever asked Him to be your Lord and Savior? Well, if you have not, let me tell you tonight, he's not concerned about the size of your bank account. He's not concerned about what things you've done. He's not concerned how many churches you've been to. <laughs> Believe me. You could ha have been to every church in town. You could have a membership in every church in town. But let me tell you something. Do you know when you stand before God, that stuff is not going to mean beans? The Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus himself made it very clear when he said in John 14 and verse 6, He saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, most of us out there know right now that you wouldn't dare let somebody come into your house except through a door. You'd say, well, if that person come through even the doorway without permission, they're a thief and a robber. They came in for dirty, rotten purposes. Well, why is it that you're trying to get into heaven your way? Jesus, it's his home. It's his home. Then why are you trying to get into heaven by your works, by stringing beads, by doing a rosary, by doing all those good works and all the good deeds you can do? Why are you trying to do it your way? 
Jesus said, He told you His way. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. How about it, dear sinner friend? Come as you are. He's not looking for those who have lots of money. I'm sorry, church people, but he's not looking for those people in the fancy suits. You could be out there listening right now, and you could be in rags right now, living in a cardboard box in some alley and manage to have listened to this message. And Jesus loves you. He's not looking for the person with riches. There was a publican who was standing in the temple and a wealthy Pharisee. But that poor publican, he knew he was a sinner. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but smote upon his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said that man was the one who walked out of that temple more justified than that public, than that, than that Pharisee, than that religious leader. So, sorry, you religious folks. You're not going to get to heaven by your works. All it takes is a simple prayer like that. For you out there that are listening right now, Paul and Silas were in jail. They were, you want to talk about the jailhouse rock? That was it. And they were singing, and the doors flew open because God delivered. And you know what he, they, the old jailer said? He came flying in there because nobody left, mind you. That wouldn't have happened today if this happened. But jailer came in, said, what must I do to be saved? And they didn't make it complicated. They just answered the question this way. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So what does the Bible say you need to do? The Bible makes it plain. The Bible says, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, For if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth, for with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Now, let me tell you something. You want to know how it's done? The thief on the cross did it very easily. It's ABC. He acknowledged he was a sinner. He believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he confessed his sins. How did he do that? He didn't get baptized. He didn't join a church. He didn't do any of those fancy things that we call religious. But he sure enough got saved. And Jesus said, This night thou shalt be with me in paradise. Let me tell you how it was done. He looked at Jesus and he said, Lord. He acknowledged Jesus was his God. He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. But how did he confess that he was a sinner? Simple. He looked at that other thief and he said, We deserve the punishment we're getting on these crosses. You have to confess you're a sinner, acknowledge you're a sinner, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. A, B, C. 
Now, I'm going to give you a sample prayer. Now, this prayer cannot save you, but I could guarantee you, if you pray something like this in your heart, in your own words, and you believe what you're praying, you will be saved. Jesus will save you. Bow your heads and pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner. I deserve hell, which is the punishment for my sins. But Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and deserve hell. But Lord Jesus, that you died for those sins once for all. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to take you into my heart. And Lord Jesus, I take you into my heart right now. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, sinner, if you did that prayer, if you did that prayer, let me tell you, you are a child of his. But what about those who out there right now are saved, who have been saved that have fell short? Maybe you've been judging somebody because they're poor. Maybe you've been nitpicky, judgmental, gossipy, nitpicking somebody for some reason. Whatever it may be. I give this invitation to you too. For whatever reason, you need to get your wicked heart right too. You know, there's lots of us out there. We'll judge people over whether they have what most people call disabilities, handicaps, but I call them inconveniences. We'll nitpick that. We'll nitpick somebody because they're different. One person asked a good question. Who or what is normal? <laughs> Very good question. I'll answer that question. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And if you don't measure up to his standard of normality, you ain't normal. Which, the Bible answers that question. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you're not normal. And if you don't believe that, read James chapter 2. It says, if you have failed in one point of the law, you're guilty of all. So you're not normal. <laughs> That's why you need Jesus as your Savior. If that's why you're saved and you got saved, well, you're not normal because you're a sinner. You're on this planet. So let me tell you something. Uh, why you nitpicking somebody else because they're different from you? You're not normal either. So get your wicked heart right for judging them. Get right with God. Quit nitpicking because well, they got they ain't got the perfect suit or they ain't got they ain't given the kind of money you think they should give to God or whatever uh, why don't you get your wicked dirty rotten sinful heart right with God why don't you just fall on your face and repent see it's time that you go back to Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 through 5 and remember before you sweep off someone else's dirty doorstep you need to be sweeping off your own because if you took the time to inspect your own fruit and be about your own business. 
you wouldn't have time for theirs. You got too much to be worried about your own business and being about uh, inspecting your own heart. Just like I got too much time to be worrying about myself to be uh, worried about other people. Because if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged, is what the scripture said. So how about it tonight? First of all, for those who are not saved, how about it? Ask Jesus as your Savior. And for those who are saved, how about it? Ask Jesus right now to make you what he'd have you be. Come just as you are tonight. Amen. Call upon the Lord today. This is Evangelist Timothy Groover. Till next time, God bless you and yours.